Hi, and welcome back to Needed Conversations. This is Ryan and Victoria Cole. So glad you've joined us. We're talking about all things communication in marriage. That's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, huh? Yeah, it's been an awesome conversation. A lot to dive in. Um, I, I never thought there was so much to communication until we actually started writing this book. So <laughs> That's right. And we're writing a book on communication. We think that it's one of the top issues that couples face. And really, it's the key to unlocking the solutions for all of your other challenges. Because if you don't know how to communicate effectively, how are you ever going to deal with your financial challenges or your trust issues or your parenting styles and all of those things which bring a lot of tension into the marriage? And the ultimate thing is to dream. That's right. And, and get you to the place yeah. where you're not caught up in the mundane, but you're dreaming. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to continue that today. And just as a side note, we're working on our new book and it's actually called Needed Conversations in honor of this podcast. And we're so excited to be able to bring that to you in the next couple of months. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, make sure you're tuned to everything that we're doing uh, by visiting moremostforever.com. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on Instagram or Facebook at More Most Forever, and you'll be updated on our latest releases. And we've always got some encouraging, inspirational content that's out there, blogs, free resources, books and content that you can buy. So make sure you go to moremostforever.com. And also while you're there, would you consider becoming a monthly partner? We need your support to see this vision come to pass. There's a lot that we have to do. And uh, we want to empower couples and give them the resources that they need. But even writing books and uh, printing and editing and publishing, all of that costs money. Um, and for us to reach a broader audience, it's going to require resources. And that's just one little facet of what we're wanting to accomplish with this ministry. We want to build a retreat center. We want to have a location where couples can come and receive over a longer span of time the training and equipping that they need. That's why we called it Empowered Culture Ministries, because as we empower couples and families, that is going to radically shift the culture because culture starts at home. Yeah, discipleship starts at home. So it's very important for us to raise our children in the way of the Lord. And the way we do that is to display a marriage that glorifies God. And it's not a perfect marriage, but a godly marriage, the one that leans on God's wisdom and guidance and hopefully you guys are getting quite a bit of information from here not just from our own selves but scriptural context that gives foundational principles so if you have somebody that you know that needs this word as well be sure to send them the link to this episode or to even this podcast because this whole podcast we focus mainly on relationships dating god's way and uh, raising up children of god and so this is what we do full time, and we would love your support and partnership with us. Yes. So last week we had a really interesting conversation on the importance of emotional intelligence in marriage. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of Christians don't even consider this. Um, it's sort of a psychological concept. What is emotional intelligence, right? It's learning to be aware of your own emotions and how they are affecting the world around you, the environment of your home, maybe even your relationship with your spouse. And then also learning how to be in tune with the emotions of other people and having empathy. And that can help you to communicate more effectively so that when you're talking to someone, you're not just uh, spewing out on them. 
but you're open and receptive to what they have to say. I mean, me and Victoria just had an interesting conversation ourselves about how we communicate with one another. And it's uh, it's a tough thing to swallow when you have to sit back and say, wow, maybe I haven't given space for my spouse to express themselves because I've been too busy pouring out a tsunami of information and emotions. And I can admit that's me sometimes. And uh, so we talked about emotional intelligence and then we moved into the conversation of, okay, this highlights clear differences between how men and women process information and how they communicate back. There are inherent differences between men and women. Mm -hmm. Now, while we are speaking generally, because if you were to look at a broad spectrum of people, if we were to amass a thousand people, and we were to put all the men in a category and all the women in a category, there's going to be a range among men as to how they communicate, whether they have emotional intelligence or not, their personality differences. But by and large, if you put that 1,000 people on a scale, you are going to see clear contrasted differences as to how men generally process information and how they communicate and how women do. Mm-hmm. Um, our society doesn't want to admit that, but there's plenty of evidence to prove it. You can do a simple Google search. You can go and read a book by our favorite, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and see how men and women's brains respond differently and process information differently, different firings at different places. And it's not that we don't, both don't end up at the same place. It's that the journey, the path that gets us there is oftentimes different. Mm-hmm. And I think that in a lot of ways, instead of trying to understand the differences of the opposite sex, what we've done is we've demonized one another and tried to force each other to process information how we would process it. Mm-hmm. Instead of accepting the difference as, as not a weakness, but that difference can be a strength mm-hmm. that your spouse brings a different perspective to the table. And so that's what we really want to talk about today is what are those differences between men and women? And in particular, let's talk about this one verse that oftentimes is used to diminish women, which is the verse that says that women are the weaker vessels. Mm -hmm. Have we understood this scripture? So what are your thoughts, Victoria, on the differences between men and women, how we process information? I mean, I think... The reason why we're diving in so deep, I guess for some people this may be very deep, is because we want to give you guys a clear understanding of the differences between, generally speaking, men and women and how they process information. Because if you know how something works, then you are able to have an understanding like, oh, okay. And that's exactly what the scripture says is that husbands live with your wife in understanding. Yes. And I think a lot about, you know, how... Proverbs asks so much about wisdom and understanding. Why why does it constantly ask about that? Because honestly, we can depend on our own selves for our own wisdom and our own intelligence or emotional intelligence, as we want to say it. But clearly, the ultimate person that we go to is God because he's the one who created us and he yes. created us emotional human beings. And I think so often the church or I'd say religion has caused us to take these extremes of suppressing our emotions and not addressing those things. And the same thing with this scripture about women being the weaker vessel. It's like the enemy has driven a wedge 
so that this curse can stay alive where the man and woman are both trying to dominate one another. And that's exactly what we see in the world. We see with the rise of the woman and the feminist movement. And some of the stuff was good and it seemed like a good thing, but it also comes at an expense of stepping on top of the man and saying that I can do everything that a man can and I can think the way a man can. And honestly speaking, we cannot. We're both different individuals and the world doesn't want to recognize it. But I also think that the church needs to also be humble and not dive into the scripture where it becomes literal. But what is God speaking in context of the whole scripture? Right. And I think let's put an end to the madness of swinging the pendulum from one end to the other, which is either men are dominant and women are these, you know, weaker vessels to be used as slaves, or you swing the pendulum the other way. There's no differences between men and women at all. But there's a middle position to take that I believe should be the position we have. It's the revelation that, yes, men and women are joint heirs in Christ. Mm -hmm. Like we have equal right to the inheritance through Jesus Christ, the inheritance of our faith. And we are all sons of God. And we've taught this over and over again. In the beginning, he created them male and female. They were as one. Mm -hmm. And it's the unification of these genders which really brings us into our full authority. And we're able to have dominion in the earth because we're cooperating. Men, apart from women, don't have the authority that they think they have. Mm -hmm. Women, apart from men, will not have the authority that they think that they're going to have by usurping titles and positions or, you know, rank in an organization. When it's not about positions and titles and rank at all, it's about the authority that is released When we recognize our inherent differences as men and women, and we choose to work together and cooperate with the plan of God, that's when there is this geyser of authority that is released through us. That's when the church ultimately steps into its power, Mm -hmm. is when we return back to God's original design for men and women to be husbands and wives and cooperate in raising a generation of people who carry the the values and the virtue of the kingdom of God. And so that's the scripture that we're referring to. Why don't we just read it? First yeah. Peter chapter three, we see instructions for wives and husbands. It's very similar. It's parallel to what is in the book of Ephesians, I believe chapter five, where it's talking about wives, submit to your husbands, husbands, love your wives, And here in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So right off the bat, we understand that this verse was never supposed to be directed towards women. It was never to be used as this linchpin to hold women and castrate their potential. It was never meant to be pointed at women and said, see, you're the weaker vessel we're supposed to dominate. It was to men. In saying to men, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way and show honor to her. Don't diminish her. Lift her up as the weaker vessel because since... She is an heir with you of the grace of life. Why? 
Because if you do not unlock that greatness that's hidden inside of her, what you're praying for is not going to happen. All those things that you're requesting of me, what if the solution for those prayers is locked up inside of that woman that you keep diminishing? So what does it mean to be a weaker vessel? We, uh, we were talking about this the other day. A weakness doesn't mean less in value, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the term weakness doesn't even de- denote inferiority. Um, talk to us, Victoria. W- what are your thoughts about what, what, is, what do you think that the scripture, based on what we're reading in context, is saying about women being the weaker vessel? You know, first I wanted to say that, you know, we are all co-heirs with Christ and we're all children of God. And God doesn't say this child is superior or inferior in his eyes. In his eyes, he loves us all uniquely. Not equally, he loves us all uniquely. And um, I I love that. And I think that we have to look at the full scripture, not just taking things out of context, just to, I guess, confirm what it is that we believe and why. We want to dominate over specific gender. And, um, you know, women do tend to be more emotional, but I think women also carry a heavy load because they are the receivers of the seed that has been given to them. And it's not only the physical seed, which I'm talking about pregnancy, you know, having babies and stuff like that. But we've even talked about this in our book that we've written called Spicy Sex about sex being so much more than just the the physical, Mm -hmm. that it's prophetic in nature. Because what man a man gives to his wife during even this intimate time, even when it's not communicated um, verbally, it's communicated through supernaturally. Sex. It's supernaturally yeah. communicated, and that's why so many times uh, women think there's something wrong. There's something that I know that is going. My husband is going through, but he's not telling me. Not, because not, not. I'm not saying secrets, but like there's something that sometimes it some, can be secrets. Yeah, but, sometimes it is, but it's like a burden that, th- that maybe you know he can't they explain carry. it. Yeah, right. But it's because our physical makeup, our biology, it parallels and it speaks to our soulful and spiritual mm-hmm. nature as well. And because women's bodies are built to be a receiver, and men's bodies are built to be givers or investors, and, and they, ha- they hold the seed, that speaks to our responsibility as well. That doesn't mean one's greater than the other because both are necessary. But if a woman is a receiver, that means that she is going to carry whatever you give her, multiply it, and give it back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's so many that have gone before us that have dug into that revelation, like Miles Monroe and some of the others. But If a woman is carrying this unique burden in her body and in her soul, it may make her more vulnerable. So maybe we should use that word vulnerable instead of weak. Mm. I know that we have sometimes a challenge in translating the Bible, but when you look at this in its context, if you take two people, right, who start out the same day they're, they're exactly the same. Let's take a pair of twins, for instance. Mm-hmm. Same body mass, same muscle, same age, same everything, right? And one person starts out the day running a marathon and by the end of that day has ran 10, 15 miles. And the other one has ran a mile, right? And then they did a normal day. At the end of the day, which one of those people is going to be weaker? Mm-hmm. The one who ran 15 miles. 
Mm-hmm. He's going to have exerted more energy. He's going to have to have to have put out more in that particular realm of physicality. Now, the other person may have bear, uh, bore a more heavy emotional load or intellectual load that day. Mm-hmm. And so then weaker is 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 talking about a, a sp- particular aspect of that individual, whether it be physical, emotional or mental. So when this verse is referring to women as weaker vessels, it's it's pointing out that they have a different load to bear. Men, we will never understand. As much as the world tries to come up with these devices and, you know, with this transgender theory and people thinking that they're feeling periods that aren't feeling periods, like it's ridiculous. We will never be able to understand what it feels like to prepare in our bodies to receive a child and then to shed the lining of a uterus when that child is not conceived and go through that every single month until a child is conceived and then to grow a child in our body and then give birth to that child and nourish that child with our body. That makes a woman more vulnerable in the broad scheme of things. Yeah, right? And I think that the world has demonized or even the church of uh, women because they are more I- emotional there's phases, you know, when your spouse or somebody that you know that they might have been emotional and they can't explain it. Like, yes. why are you crying? Well, I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't know why it is that I'm, you know, sensing all of these emotions. And oftentimes we throw that off and say, these people are crazy. They are just emotional wrecks. They are unreliable. And that's not it that you should not use that kind of terminology. Instead, what the scripture is saying is to approach it with understanding. It's not like you're going to fully like wear their clothes and be where they are, but approaching your spouse in an understanding way and seeing and saying, listen, they're going through this phase. They're probably coming closer to their period. They're not crazy. They're just, they have a lot of hormonal things that are going on and women are also relational. So they take on, I think a lot of other things a lot more close to heart than a man does. Sure. A man definitely gets over things a lot quicker. I'm not saying that's every man, but majority of men, they're like, you know, let me grieve this and let we me move on. We grieve hard and fast. And let me move on. And I love Women this. Women carry it with them. Yeah. I wanted to bring up this example is uh, Job's wife. You know, we demonize her, but the woman lost all of her kids and her husband was a righteous man. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing that, goes against her is the fact that she told her husband that she should curse God and die because she's over there seeing all of this turmoil go on in the life after she knows that her husband is a righteous man, does all these sacrifices, has a relationship with God. She lost all her kids in one day, all of their wealth. Mm. And then she's seeing her husband in a place of literally like bedridden with all kinds of sicknesses. And he's still praising God. And she's thinking like, like, we well, might as well just curse God and die. I mean, can like, you just imagine? Get, out, get, get put an end to the misery. Yeah, That's what and, she and said. a lot of people think, like, how dare she? But can you put yourself in a place of, I just literally had that revelation, like, a few weeks ago about, like, what she actually went through. And somebody told me when I had this conversation, they said, well, it's okay because Job had redemption. And I'm like, really? You're going to replace your previous 10 kids with the new kids? Of course they had new kids, but it's like, you don't ever forget the trauma that you go through, especially I think as a female birthing and carrying this load and then seeing your spouse go through that and especially seeing that your spouse 
is not a non-believer. They are righteous men. Like, can you imagine the load that she was carrying as a as a woman? Like, that to and, me. And anybody who, any couple who's gone through a miscarriage, you understand it's not that the husband does not feel the weight of the loss of that child. Certainly he does. And we've experienced it. So I know what it means to walk through that. And the husband has to be considered in his emotions in that process as well. But the woman who has, her body has gone through that trauma, that's a different kind of emotional toll. And, and by and large, men are able to pick up, go to work, compartmentalize that in, in a certain degree, to a certain degree. And women have to carry it and for not a long, only that, long time. It's people that are struggling with infertility and feeling it like not a, like a woman, you know, not being able to do what your body is supposed to do and being frustrated with that. Or even having children afterwards and struggling with postpartum. Yeah. And people calling you crazy and depressed. And it's like, well, you just need God. You just need prayer. But there's a lot of issues, you know, physically that the body has to come through in order to adjust especially when you add a lot of stressors and chemical imbalances and food and all the stuff that's going on in the world. It's a lot for a woman to process. And I brought up this example the other day, and I, I love this because we are all vessels. You are a vessel and I am a vessel. And I, I said, you know, as me as a mom, I usually put out plastic wear for my kids because not that I don't trust them with like China, but I know they're kids and they can only handle this and I just don't want them accidentally to break it. They're still vessels. They still do the same function, just maybe in a different way. So you have like something that you may use more often and then something that you may set out that's a little bit more fragile. That's more yeah. like, you know, something that you have to take care of. You have people that really like store China and pass it on from generation to generation. And that's how you have, you can view your wife as is it's precious. It's it's something that's fragile and that can be broken easily. But it's incredibly valuable. Very, very valuable. And I don't want you to think that we're saying women are fragile little creatures. Because women are very powerful. I mean, have you ever seen a man try to, uh, sit, they, have, they weren't put on simulators for birth? Right. <laughs> and that wasn't even real birth. It's utterly hilarious, you guys. But you look, even though China is fragile, quote unquote, the process that that had that it had to go through to get it to that place of beauty and elegance was far greater than you know a plastic mold and then you pop it out and there you go you got a plastic plate um and again we're not diminishing what men bring to the table as well what we're pointing out is that we are different vessels and we have different assignments mm -hmm. although those functions may be the same we're carriers but how how we do what God has called us to do is going to be different. And I love this parallel of Job because we do look at Job's wife and say, oh, the typical nagging wife, right? Mm -hmm. He's trying to endure and trust God and all of this. But, you know, like Victoria said, she had, had to be, she had to be dealt with in understanding because she carried those children. He, they might've been his children for sure, but he, she bore them from her own body. And I look at that in parallel to the Garden of Eden, right? And Adam and Eve, and they are different vessels. When God pulled the wife out of the husband, he created this altogether separate but equal individual. 
And we don't see that their eyes were opened until Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. Eve had already eaten it. But it was when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they fell into this knowledge that they were not supposed to access and this judgment of being able to measure good and evil. And if you go to 1 Timothy 2.14, it tells us explicitly, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and uh, and sin was the result. Uh, so she was a transgressor, but the result came from his direct disobedience. So while women may be more vulnerable to certain spiritual attacks, it's the men who are responsible because we have the ability to compartmentalize in a way that women don't that make us a good unit, right? A woman is a feeler and a sensor, but men can process those feelings in a way where he can make a decision on behalf of their family that is the right decision. Not that women can't make decisions and that not women, not that women can't put their emotions to the side, but we're far better together, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of times, We'll go into a room, we'll go over to someone's house or to a party or at church or at, you know, out in public, and I will interact with people to a certain degree, and then I'll come back home, and Victoria will have seen a side of things that I didn't even think was possible, right? What women do with one another in public settings is beyond men's comprehension. Let me just say this. It's like women have this, this, this telepathic language that they're speaking to one another, Mm -hmm. whether it's keep your hands off my man or whether it's, I know what you did. You know, I I know what you're thinking or this vibe that you get women said they don't trust this person because of this and that. Now we can go down the list of the flaws in that, right. And how that could be, you can become very pessimistic and closed off if you're constantly worried about, you know, the energy in a room, but Also, men, if we can process that and say, wow, I didn't notice that, but now that you pointed out, I I think that that's true. Mm -hmm. We need to be careful and create a boundary here, or maybe that's an opportunity we need to explore. This person seems very open to us, or, you know, if we can take the, the feelers, the discernment that our wife is bringing to the table as a prophetic voice, then we as apostolic leaders can create can make effective decisions. And we often refer to husbands and wives. If you look at the fivefold ministry, the the home being like a micro version of the expression of the church, in the home, husbands are to play an apostolic role and women play more of a prophetic role mm-hmm. because they're feelers, they're sensors, they hear what's going on in the realm of the spirit. And then men are the ones to bring governmental structure and order, to bring us into present truth and establish us us in proper doctrine and sets the moral and ethical standard for the household. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look across the board, you know, women may uphold a certain ethical standard, but if the husband doesn't, those children are going to fall in line. Mm-hmm. You know, the woman might hold a certain standard, but if that man do- doesn't also hold it, the children are going to follow according to that leadership standard that's being set in the house. And so if we lean into these roles, then we can say, okay, let me 
see why my wife is being emotional in this way. What is she sensing? What is she feeling? What is she receiving or picking up on? And how might that that help us to make a more informed decision as a couple about where we're going as a family? Yeah, and I would wanted to mention this in regards to as parents, you know, if you have boys and girls, you approach them differently and you recognize from the get-go. Like, I, I can tell you that my son and my daughter are like completely different pe- people. But when I talk to other parents, I see the same thing that happens with like the girls and the boys during certain stages. And they both need different kinds of reinforcements and they both need certain kinds of needs to be filled in order for them to become healthy individuals so that when they grow up, they don't have unhealthy ways of coping with their emotions. Right. I, I think that there's a lot of toxic things that we have put on our kids, you know, like boys don't cry, you know, yeah. men don't cry, real that men don't cry, and that's a lie, you know, or for females, you know, whenever they are going through a lot of emotions and it starts very early on, don't call, not calling them crazy, but also reining in those emotions because yeah. not, you don't have to be emotional about every little thing. And we see that with both of our kids. And so if you see that with children, how much more are you going to see that in an adult? So that, to me, already says this is the difference between men and women. You know, you could see it from very early stages as the child grows into an adult. And we as parents have to give them tools in order to grow into healthy individuals. We're not going to be always perfect, but I think we have to recognize those things and give them what they need. Like the boys need their dads to show them the, the way and say, this is what a real man does. And whenever a husband does that or a man does that, you could, there's definitely there's authority she could not replicate. That's what I wanted to say. And, and it's, it's important, like, for men not just to toughen up your boys and show them hard work and discipline and all these sorts of things, but show them what it means to love. Yeah. Show them what it means to, to, to talk to a woman with understanding, to have compassion and patience and grace for mm-hmm. one another. And the same thing with women, you know. Don't and I love just... seeing, yeah, I love seeing men with their young daughters because they're like, oh, yeah, I've definitely become a softy. Like seeing how they were so stern and, you know, maybe like all macho man and yeah. then allowing uh, their heart to be softened because they see that this is a little child. This is a little girl and she's having emotions and she processes the world differently. And that's why I think, you know, going off on more of a social issue here why it's important for us to stop this horrible epidemic of transing our kids. Basically not telling them who they are. And not allowing them to go through puberty. Because puberty, although it's challenging for all of us when our hormones are raging and you know we're dealing with all these changes in our bodies, When we get to the other side of it, there's a greater understanding of who you are in your gender. Mm -hmm. So not allowing kids to even go through that process. We can talk about adults who have gender dysphoria and and getting them the help and the, the structure and bringing solutions to them. But when we're talking about kids, we've got to allow them to go through the process of development so that they can come into full understanding about how their gender plays a part in their development and who they are and who they will become as adults. Mm. Um, I know we've gone off a little bit on this conversation, but bringing this back to communication, right? If you understand the differences in male and female here, and then you dig even further and seek to understand 
how your spouse uniquely processes information. It'll give you an arsenal of tools to bring into the conversation Mm -hmm. so that you can help one another as you understand. And that's one thing that we've said so many times is listen to understand and not to respond. So hopefully this conversation that we have been giving you guys this past few episodes helps you to kind of slow down before responding. It's to really listen and hear your spouse from their perspective. If you understand them as an individual and how they process information, you're going to be probably way slower to speak and respond in a negative way. But maybe say, hey, I hear you. You know, maybe this is something that I need to process or this is something that I need to look into myself. And um, you'll see your your respect will continue to grow and it'll be mutual, you know, instead yes. of having these spewing moments of conversation that doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. And husbands to recognize, you know, that your wife is weaker physically, you know, women's biological makeup. And we're, we're supposed to be the ones to protect them. But also because of what they experience in their bodies, it also makes them more vulnerable emotionally mm-hmm. and being able to guard and protect them and give them free space to express those emotions. And then on the other end, like if you're a woman who's listening to this podcast and you say, but my husband's not even a believer, he's not taking a spiritual role in the home. You understanding your unique role as a woman is going to be a a part of what helps to bring him to the Lord. Because if you go all the way back to the top of this, 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives Mm. and when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And so it's encouraging you as women to recognize your emotions and instead of, you know, lashing out on them, you don't feel, you don't communicate, you're not, you, you don't, you don't try to understand me, you know, give them grace and space to process things how they would. And your very actions is going to be what brings them to the Lord. Um, they'll be won over by your, your good deeds, your behavior. And I know it's harder said than done. Uh, you have to have a lot of patience and grace. And this is why we say, that we're not able to do it by ourselves. We can only do it by the grace of God as we allow God to do the work in us and we accept God's grace and love and mercy for us. We're able to extend the same thing to our spouse as well. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this conversation today and that you will visit us online at moremostforever.com and pick up some marriage resources. Be on the lookout for the release of our newest book, Needed Conversations. And uh, make sure that you become a partner and support what we're doing by giving on a monthly basis. And we will see you next week for another episode of Needed Conversations. Thanks for joining us.